Won't you take that word you brought with you today and let's go to Genesis. Genesis chapter number 16, 15, 17, 18. We'll be in a few places around there. Amen. Y'all enjoying your time in Genesis? It is the beginnings, right? The beginnings, the beginnings. Have y'all been seeing neat and wonderful things in it? Things that just continue to bless you and help you and speak to you and things that are rooted there in Genesis that our New Testament helps us with and explains a lot to us. But in, for an example, chapter number 18, y'all pick up that this morning where he said that word, verse number 14, is there anything too hard for the Lord? What, what God's people say? Nothing, nothing. Now what was that in regards to? What was the question around? What were they laughing at? Sarah was laughing. She was laughing. She's close to 90 years old. She's close to 90 years old. Abraham is 99. And God says in a year's time frame or in the time frame of a babe coming, you're going to have a child. And she laughed. Now, she says she didn't laugh though, right? And what did God say? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Uh, He sees and knows. Amen. Amen. And he noticed her laughter. And she's going to eventually, she will. She'll have a a little boy. And what did she name him? What does it mean? Laughter. 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 Yeah, she had, she had a little boy that would always remind her how she laughed at the Lord's promise to do something that she was not physically able to do. She was not physically able to have a child. She was way beyond the childbearing age for men and women in that particular time frame. Now, prior to the flood, prior to the flood, when the things changed on the earth... They gave birth to children much older than that. But after the flood, things shifted and things changed. And Abraham himself was an old man. The scripture even says that both of their bodies were dead reproductively. They didn't have what it took in their system to be able to uh, birth a child. But God done something supernatural. He gave them the ability to bring forth a particular boy. Now that boy, I don't want to forget, is that we've seen this. This is so crucial for us to keep in mind of what God was doing. God had already made a promise to himself before man was ever created, before man ever even entered in on the scene. When God created Adam, Adam, according to the New Testament, was a type of him who would come later. And that who would come later, we're talking about Jesus. Now, we see Jesus, not Jesus, 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 but we see the Son of God who took upon flesh and became Jesus in chapter 18 as well. That's the one who met with Abraham and told Sarah that she was going to have a child, and in that child we're going to find that down the road another child's going to be born and they would call him Jesus. 
It was going to be in that same line. But we see God doing that from Adam, who was the next seed in the line for Jesus. It wasn't, it, that's right, Miss Pat, it wasn't Abel and it wasn't Cain. Who would it be? Seth was in line. He was in line to be in the lineage to Jesus. Then who would be, who would come a major figure down the road? There was people in between them, but who would come the major figure that we see in the scriptures that he emphasizes a, spe a specific person? Noah is the next man that he's going to be in. And then Noah's going to have a grandson down the road. And what's his name? Abraham or Abram. That's why we have what we have in Genesis of this beginnings. These are not accidental. These were not by chance. These were not just the way things worked out in happenstance in the world we live in. It wasn't that God took and said, well, I'll work it through this one now and I'll, I'll shift things up and try it again with another one down the road. No, these were all specifically ordained and set in a decree before time ever began of how God would bring about Mary on the earth and then impregnate Mary by his spirit and the, what would be in her womb that would be conceived in her would be the redeemer of all mankind through the precious blood of the lamb. Man, we just sang about it. Some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, but what? All through, if you're his child, you have to go through the blood. Amen? You have to go through the blood to be his child, but you also have to be through the blood to overcome the enemy in this world we live in. All this was determined by God. And I'll give you a couple passages. Just take a minute and just look at what God says about this. Go to Romans 5 real quick. We were going to look in Romans 4 today, but look in Romans 5. Romans 5. I want to tell you in here today, God is trustworthy. Amen. He is absolutely trustworthy. You can depend on Him. The only time the only time faith waters get muddy is when you and I add our, we factor in to the equation our limitations. Amen. That's the only time. You can count on the Lord to be true because he's true. Can he lie? No. Is there anything too hard for him? No. Not at all. And he cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie. Romans 5, right? Look what he says in verse number 14. Nevertheless, nevertheless than grace, death reigned, that is, death conquered everybody from Adam to Moses. From Adam to Moses, everybody died, right? Amen. The only person that didn't die a physical death was who? Enoch. What did God do with him though? He took him. But to take him, what did God have to do? He had to translate him. That is, because no flesh and blood inherits Amen. eternity or the kingdom of God, right? So God had to change him even though he didn't die a physical death. God still transformed him, translated him, and brought him with him. 
but death nonetheless because of sin reigned to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgressions of Adam. Not everybody had a word from God like Adam had. Not everybody talked with God like Adam talked with God. Not everybody was warned in the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. So he's saying every human being that was born and spread out over the world at that time, all of them died, whether they ever knew one thing about God or not. They all died. Everybody dies. Why? Because sin entered the world, and when sin entered the world, death entered the world, and all flesh dies because of sin. All, everybody with me? But notice that phrase, the transgressive of Adam, who is a what? A similitude, a type of him who was to come. Adam was a type, a similitude of the one who would come. We learn from, say, the book of Revelation tells us that Jesus himself is the lamb <coughs> slain from before the foundation of the world. So before we have this account in Genesis... The scriptures tell us that in God's determined purpose, Jesus was already determined to come to this world and to be an atoning propitiation to satisfy the wrath of God so that we could have a relationship with him based on his merits and not our own merit, what Jesus would do for us. So all this was laid out and God has fulfilled every single promise or word that he's made that could be fulfilled. There's more promises that are still to come. And all God's people said, can you trust him? I mean, we can walk through. I've got, I've got a list today more than we have time to go through and to look at what God says about himself and his trustworthiness. And how we can take him at his word in everything that he says. But notice that again. Who is a type of him who was to come. Now go, now go to Revelation. Let's go over there. Go to Revelation 12. I was thinking about this. I woke up thinking on this verse. Not this morning. The day before yesterday. This was in my spirit. And I kept preaching to myself. Y'all ever preach to yourself? You need to, amen? If you preach to anybody, you need to preach to yourself first. Amen. And I was, I was preaching these things in my sleep to myself. And I woke up with these thoughts on my mind out of chapter 12 of the book of Revelation. In verse number 11, talking about how they overcome the dragon and the dragon being Satan who is the enemy of the things of God who's the one who tempted Eve in the garden and who has tempted every person that's lived since then and who is the lawless one, the scripture says, who always questions four things about us and the things of God. What did I tell y'all before that the enemy questions? One, the essence of God, who God is and who we are in him. He always is going to question that. He's always going to point to you. Now he believes he believes. James says Satan's a believer. Yeah, yeah. But Satan ain't a child of God. No. Can't be and won't be, but he still believes. Amen. 
And he bleeds with fear and trembling because he knows his days are marked. He knows he's got a limited time left upon this earth. But that does not keep him from attacking the things of God. And just like he did with Jesus, when he came to Jesus, remember when Jesus was tempted by him? And he came to him, and this is exactly what he started off with when he tempted Jesus, no different than when he tempted Eve in the garden. He says, if you are the Son of God, if you are. Now, was he an if you are, or was he the Son of God? He is the Son of God, amen. It ain't if you are the Son of God, but see, that's a tactic. That's what he does. What did he do? He was attempting to question the essence of who God is. Jesus is God. And therefore, that's his attack. That's what he attempted to do. That's what he'll do with you and me. That's what he'll use people around you in your life to do. To question the essence of God. Then he's going to question the exactness of what God said. What did he say to Eve in the garden? He says, God surely knows that in the day that you eat it, you'll be like him. God says in the day you eat it, you're going to what? Die. You're going to die. But see, he put doubt in her to question whether or not this was good. And when he did, her eyes, because she was listening to him, heeding what he said, her eyes were open and she saw that the fruit on the tree was good for food. And that it would make one wise. Make them like God. And the tree had good fruit on it. But you see, the tree was forbidden. Amen. They had access to everything else in the garden. Minus the one tree. So even good and good fruit that God's not in, what's the consequence of it? Death. It's death. It's deadly. Are you with me? <laughs> see, but the enemy wants you to question exactly what God said. So what was Jesus' response to the enemy when he had brought that question, if you the son of God, won't you turn those stones into bread? Because Jesus was hungry in, in a natural body. He was hungry. And what did Jesus, what was his response to the devil? What did he tell him? Man shall not live by bread alone, but what? Exactly what God said. Man shall live on exactly what God has said. Amen. Amen. Because God is worth trusting, isn't he? Come on. Did Jesus believe his father was worth trusting? Amen. Yes, he did. That's why he said man's not to live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. So Jesus is saying what God says about something is more important than the thing itself. Come on. What God says about your life, what he says about your marriage, what he says about your your serving whatever he says about wisdom, whatever he says about fruit, whatever he says is better than anything that he says it about. You can hang on what he said because he cannot lie. He's trustworthy and true. Amen. What's the next thing that he's going to question? He's going to question not only the essence and the exactness, but the enemy wants you to question the expectation of God. What is God's expectation for us? To seek Him first. Amen. To seek Him first. Everything in your life, everything in my life, everything about our lives, everything God's going to do in any of our lives is put us in the place 
to, for us to seek Him first. Jesus is the greatest example of that Himself. He did nothing without seeking His Father first. And whatever His Father gave Him to do, that's what He did. But He always made that the priority. That His objective on earth was to do what? The will of His Father. How can He do the will of His Father if He don't know the will of God? Well, how will He know the will of God? He does what? He seeks Him first. That's why we keep seeing through the record of Jesus' life. Where did they often find him early in the morning? He was seeking his father. He had a public ministry. So that required private moments with a holy God. Amen. You and I have a public ministry. And it demands private moments with the one who gives us our ministry to represent him on this earth. Amen. And then the fourth thing that he's always going to question, that is the enjoyment. What does God find delight or pleasure in? Where does God find delight and pleasure in? And the number one thing that we see God finding delight and pleasure in is us operating in faith, believing him, and the fear of the Lord operating in the fear of the Lord. That is, you give in priority to the Lord every single time. The scripture even tells us that. Give you a couple places to write down, like Psalm 33, 18. You can write that down, Psalm 33, 18. Right beside that, Psalm 147, 11. Psalm 147, 11. 33, 18 and 147, 11 say almost identically the same thing. One says he looks upon, the other one says he, he takes delight in, the other one says he takes pleasure in. And who are they? Those that fear him. And who are those that fear him? He explains it. Those who rest their entire life upon the mercy of God. That they look anticipating God to be what he's always promised to be, that he's merciful. And when you're looking for the mercies of God, that is you're looking for God's solutions for everyday life because you've made him the priority of, of it. And if you're around somebody that in any situation or even your own flesh, because remember your flesh is an enemy. Amen? Amen? Your flesh is an enemy. It's at enmity with God. And one thing your flesh is going to want to do is question God's essence. It's going to question the exactness of what he said. It will question his expectations and it will question his enjoyment. Amen. And when you're around other people that questions if God is God and is going to question did God say that and is going to question you mean to say that God says trust not in your own heart but lean upon him and seek him first and he'll direct you? And they're going to question that. Or they're going to question, you're saying that God says we're to operate in the fear of the Lord and believe him and everything that he says and follow him in faith and obedience. You're telling me that's what, and God didn't say that. You know you're dealing with somebody that the enemy's talking through. Are you with me? And it ain't God speaking to you. It's the enemy at work. It's your flesh at work or somebody around you. And you have to know how to overcome him. How do you overcome him? 12.11 tells us. Look what he says. 12.11. How do we overcome? By the what? Not by, not by water. Everybody goes through water. Everybody goes through the flood, through the fire. But you got to go through the what? The blood. The blood. The blood of who? The lamb. So 
You overcome him by God's means. What is God's means? What's his answer? It's his man. Who's his man? The Lamb of God. Who is the Lamb of God? That's Jesus. Jesus is a type of Adam who would come because God's always had a plan from the beginning and his plan is the only plan that we cling to. And You don't have to question it, amen? You can hang on it. His means, the blood of the lamb, but not just the blood from that perspective, but you're talking about now he says we overcome him not by just claiming the blood. I mean, you gotta be immersed in the blood. The blood's gotta cover you. Blood's gotta be your means and the word of what? Their testimony. That's your message. That's your message. Which points back to the what? To the blood. Amen. You have a testimony. You have evidence in your life. The message of your life points back to the blood of the Lamb. You claim everything you do and everything you have, you rested upon the Lamb of God and what He said, what He's done, what He's called you to. You name it, you rest upon it because that's the testimony of your life. Jesus is your testimony and your, your message is that you hold it. That's the only way to overcome the enemy. If your message don't line up with the means of God, that devil's gonna wreak havoc in your life. Why? Because you're questioning what? His essence. You're questioning his exactness. You're questioning his expectations and you question what God finds most delight in. And I want to tell you in here today, he says, look, they overcome him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even unto the what? That's your mission. You overcome him by his mission, his message, his means. What's his mission? To die to self. Take up the cross. And follow after Jesus. Now that's your message. That's your mission. To reach those that he come to reach with his blood. Amen. That's how you live. Amen. And if we're not living that way, we're right in the midst of just letting the enemy what use us to fuel his fires. Amen. Rather than the fruit of the fruit of Jesus flowing through our lives. Are you with me? Now look over in chapter 13. Look in 13, verse number 8. Yeah, 13, 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. That would be the Antichrist, Satan. All on the earth will worship him. That beast that's going to rise out of the nations in a future day. That beastly contender. They will all worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb who is slain from where? The foundation of the world. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Can you trust God? Amen. Is he trustworthy key? Yes, is he reliable? Can you hang everything you have upon him? Yes, and anything less than that will always muddy the waters. I was listening to a song. Great song. I love the message. And in it, it said, it said these, and it made me begin to think about where we are in our reading in all these things that I just mentioned. When faith or believing, when believing gets hard. When believing gets hard. Now, when it gets hard, that's a direct product of us. 
but not of God. When believing gets hard. And I jotted down a few notes because the essence of what we're reading about Abraham is the fact that Abraham believed God against all odds. Remember, his body was what? His body was old and dead. But God told him what was he going to do with his body. That from his body he was going to have he was going to have a son. And God told him that. And the scripture says Abraham believed God. And because he believed him, what did God consider his belief, his faith? What did he say it was? He says it. New Testament affirms it to us. What did he say his faith was counted for? What was he considered? How did God look at it? Righteousness. See, the only way to be righteous is by faith, to take God at his word, to trust him. And God's promise to do things in our life, to produce things out of our life when we trust him. And when we don't trust him, he's also promised to indicate that to us in our life so that we can know that I'm either trusting him or not trusting him. And when I'm trusting him, God's going to do things that are unexplainable by men. But when I'm not trusting him, they are going to be explainable of why I'm acting or thinking or doing what I'm doing. And the Bible is clear on that. But I, I jotted this note down. When believing gets hard, believing only gets hard when who or what we're believing is questionable and unreliable. That's the only time believing gets hard. When we're questioning, questionable. For an example, if I put confidence in me, my believing is going to get hard because I'm questionable. I'm unreliable. But God is not, amen. Amen. He's not unreliable. He's not questionable. He is worth every ounce of faith that we have. As a matter of fact, faith is not something we generate on our own anyway because faith is a gift of God's grace that comes through what? Hearing from God, His reliability that works in us and I'm putting my faith in Him and what He said and that's where faith comes from. But believing only gets hard when who or what we're believing is questionable and unreliable. Can you notice when we were walking, where we're walking at right now, when things got questionable in Abraham and Sarah's life and they looked at the circumstances and they put more confidence in themselves, so therefore they started what? Manipulating or dictating the circumstances with their own actions. For example, when Abraham went down to Egypt, Abraham started thinking on the walk down there that he has a lovely, beautiful woman. And that when he gets to Egypt, the men of that place are going to want his lovely, beautiful wife. For them to have her, what would they have to do to him? They're going to kill him. So Abraham's thinking about taking care of himself and preserving his own life. So now he's putting faith in what? himself and he's not trusting in the Lord so he looks at his woman Sarai and he says I want you to see something that I've been seeing and that's how he worded it go look back at it Genesis 12 you'll see what I'm talking about Genesis 12 
How do we overcome the enemy? Man, by the means of God, by the blood, by his message, his testimony, and by his mission in our life. Amen. Genesis 12. Notice this. Some translations use the word indeed, but it's the word behold. And we told y'all, I've told y'all this a lot. The word behold is a what? That's a faith word. That's saying you need to see something that you can't currently see. So now he's acting like God. He's asking, he's going to ask his wife to see something she would have none otherwise seen. Just like when what? Satan said to Eve, you need to see something that you hadn't thought about yet. What has not Eve thought about? That fruit being good for food. Until he suggested it to her. Now she's looking at it what? Differently. Unlike how God gave them. Look in verse number 10. 12, 10. Now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there for the famine was severe. And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to his wife, indeed, the word indeed, the King James, if I'm not mistaken, does he use the word behold? Because yeah. that's, that's the idea, behold, and that's something you need to see. See what I see. What do I see? I know that you are a woman of a beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you. Because the Egyptians are going to operate on what they see. When they see you, that they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. Now, Abraham didn't live because of Sarah. Who gave Abraham his life? Who had gave Abraham a promise? God. Look in chapter 12, look in verse number 3. What did God promise Abraham? What verse 3 say? I will, bless. I will do what? Bless. I will bless those who do what to you, Abraham? But Abraham, if they don't bless you and treat you any other way than a blessing, what will I do to them? So you know what that says? God's going to take care of Abraham. Amen. And all God's people say it. Every facet of his life, he's going to bless him. Abraham had nothing to fear with exception of fear itself in going the wrong way and not trusting God. But you see, he began to ponder in his mind of what would potentially take place when he got down there. He didn't factor God in it no more and he's only thinking about what could happen and now he's going to suggest that thought to his bride, and she is going to go along with him. Now, the New Testament, you can write this down beside that in chapter 12, down by verse uh, 10 and 11 and 12. You can write down 1 Peter 3, because 1 Peter 3 tells us that she did it in obedience to the Lord. She did it trusting God. And what did God do? Did he protect Sarah? He did. Did he protect Abraham in it? He did, but 1 Peter 3. Y'all know that passage where it encourages the women to adorn themselves with a gentle and meek and humble heart, that to be submissive, that is to come under orders, to be on assignment for the Lord. And it says that Sarah and all the women of old who operated this way, and it uses Sarah, and it says that Sarah called Abraham Lord. Amen. 
She didn't call him Lord in their everyday life. It's referring to this incident and when they go down to the Philistines and he does it again as that she referred to him as Lord as her brother because her brother as her Lord had authority over her and if anybody wanted to take her hand, they had to go through her Lord or her brother that she was submissive to. So that's what that's referring to, that she humbled herself, got under the assignment, trusted God without fear of what would happen to her, and God protected her and the folly or the foolishness of her husband. Because that's what God does, right? Okay, but we're not done with the situation. This gets taken care of, rectified, because God made a point to make sure that Pharaoh didn't do anything to Sarah because Sarah's womb was set apart, set apart for Abraham and Sarah's going to have a little boy and that little boy was going to be in the line with Jesus. So Pharaoh's not going to do anything with her. Abimelech's not going to do anything with her. God's going to protect them. But you know how he protected them? He plagued them. And they realized something ain't right here. Not until you showed up. God's done closed up the wounds of our women. Things have shut down. This, All this is out of whack. Something ain't right with y'all. What is it? Well, he found out that that was really Abraham's wife. He said, why in the world did you do that? I could have I lain with her. I could have done something foolish with her, and you would have condemned us all in doing that. So he gave his wife back and sent him on and said, get out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. Go. You're a liar. It says that Abraham was to be a blessing everywhere he went. But you see, he's not blessing people. Why? Because he's muddied the waters Amen. with his own trust and not taking God at his word. Believing God hard for him because he looked at his circumstances, but not in the God who created him and given him a mission to walk in. Are you with me? Sarah's going to do it, though. Remember when God said, look, I'm going to give you a child? You know what Sarah says? Look, look, look it, it tells us real quick before we go today. Look over in chapter number 16. Chapter 16 and verse number 1. Is anything too hard with the Lord? Nah. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So this is telling us that obviously for her to come up with these conclusions, she had to think about this in advance. She had to try to what? Come up with a solution for herself. And she says, so Sarah said to Abraham, here's that word again, what do you see? Behold, my translation says see, She's inviting Abraham to see something she sees and now something that he would have never saw until the enemy suggested it. Now the enemy's working through Sarah just like the enemy worked through Abraham because what? Believing got hard because now they put their input in it and not exactly what God said. So Sarah said to Abraham, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I can obtain a child by her. And Abraham did what? He heeded the voice of Sarah. Not the voice of who? Not the voice of God, but the voice of Sarah. So what does that do for me? One, it helps us recognize that, hey, even these great people of faith, because they both were, are going to sometimes act foolishly and depend on themselves. 
But when they depend on themselves and act foolishly, trouble's going to come out of it. Every single time. She's going to have a child. And what was that boy's name? Ishmael. Is Ishmael going to be a trouble for Isaac? Is Ishmael going to be a trouble for Sarah? Is Ishmael going to be a trouble for Jacob and Israel and the 12 tribes? Yes, you know what? Ishmael's still trouble today. Scripture tells us in here, prophetic word, he's going to be what? A wild man and he's going to be against his people, his brothers and his brothers are going to be against him. That same stuff is happening right now around the world. You know all that stuff going on in Israel right now with them Arabian countries around them? With the, that's Ishmael and Isaac. Operating under a voice that came from within that looked at the circumstances and said that it's impossible for any other solution other than what I've created in my own mind and then you suggest it to somebody else. Now they see what you saw, but what you saw and now they see ain't of God. That's the enemy at work. Amen. That's the enemy at work. So believing only gets hard when who and what we're believing is questionable and unreliable. God is more than any. For an example, we'll, we'll close out with a couple thoughts. Believing Jesus is not hard. It only becomes difficult, and I'm talking about for the believer, because believing Jesus is impossible unless God does something in your life. Amen. Even Jesus said it's impossible for a man to be saved of an himself. God's got to do something. So, believing Jesus is not hard. It only becomes difficult when we believe our way is better and more trustworthy which can only lead to questioning him and his credibility. Isn't that a problem? For you and for me, you ever been there? Amen. Where you thought that there's no way I can do that? There's no way this could happen? There's no way this should happen? So you start doing it your way rather than God's way? The waters get murky and muddy, and now you're in questionable waters, but you put it on God more than yourself, Rather than just saying, I'm making this a whole lot harder than it ought to be. I just need to trust what he said and walk in it. Amen. Believing is never hard. You believe by default. Yourself over him. It's who and what you're believing that makes it questionable. Everybody believes. You got to go back to that. Everybody believes. You're constantly believing. But you either believe in him or you believe in who? Yourself or someone else's word. You, you believe in something because you couldn't live if you didn't believe. Amen? Amen? So believing is not the hard part. What makes it hard is who and what you believe in. If you believe in him, he's trustworthy. Amen. He's reliable. And he gives us peace and guards us when we believe him. But the frustration and the unsettledness and the questioning comes in when we believe in everything but him. Unbelief is believing something is better to you. But it's unbelief because there is nothing and no one better or more reliable than the Lord. Unbelief is easily recognized when we factor our limits into God's equation or his solutions for life. We do it. 
Everybody does it at times. But we know the results of it. Is failure possible with God? Can God fail, Brother Shannon? Failure is not possible with him. He cannot fail. He cannot lie. And he'll never be found untrustworthy. Failure will be found in us. Yet when he leads us, he always leads us in triumph. And he can use your failure and work it together for good. Because he can't fail. That's why we turn it back over to him. Amen. So when you do operate in unbelief or you operate where you are putting more confidence in the circumstances or yourself, you just got to come back and say, Lord, you're the one who's trustworthy. Amen. I'm going to trust what you said. I don't want to question who you are and who I am in you. I'm not going to question exactly what you said. I just want to trust you and walk in it. Amen. I don't want to question your expectation for me to seek you first in everything. 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 That's one of the key indicators for all of us when I'm talking to somebody and they're giving me counsel but they're not helping me seek the Lord. I need to know that counsel is coming from somebody other than Him. And I need you to help me see what you find delight and joy in. And that is me putting faith in you and operating in the fear of the Lord anticipating your mercy to usher in my life, to guide me in the next step that I take. And I want to tell you, it'll make all the difference in the world in your life. Amen. Amen. Of simply taking him at his word. Because if you're human, you're going to question his reliability. But that's you. That ain't him at work in you. Amen. Amen. That's you. You've got to recognize that so that I can look back to him. Amen. And say, guide me, Lord. Take me through this. Now, is there much more that I planned on giving away today? There's so much more for us to look at. But we've run out of time this morning, as we always do. And tonight, we won't be able to continue on with it because we're going to do some church business tonight. But uh, Lord willing, maybe Wednesday night. But there'll be something else to give away by then, huh, Brother Shannon? Amen. Amen. So let us pray. Father, we bless you. We thank you. We love you and praise you and ask you to help us with this. There's some in here right now that may be questioning uh, where they are and what's going on in their life simply because they're looking more inward and looking at what they can see rather than simply taking you at your word. But Lord, we can't take you at your word if we don't know it. If we hadn't heard and we hadn't seen what you do and have spoken. For your word gives light to us so that we can see and agree and act on what you reveal. So I pray today that we would hear you, we would heed what you give us, we would honor it in obedience as you said that the man that builds his life upon your words and walks in them, does them, is like one who built his house on a rock. That when the storms and troubles come, they won't be washed away because we're standing on such a solid foundation of trusting you. So help us today walk in that overcoming power by the blood and by your message in our life and by your mission at work in us. And we're going to praise you and thank you for your goodness. We ask you to set people free in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us? Would you stand? What are we going to sing, brother? 305. 305. And all God's people said, what will he do? He'll wash it 
white as snow, white as snow. So, in essence, is believing hard? Only when I add my input into it. Trusting Him is not the hard part, amen? When you belong to it, it's really not. It's when we add in our ways to it. How many of y'all seen it that way before? Well, man, you just made it so much harder than what He intended it to be. Created more trouble for yourself. Abraham and Sarah did it. Nick and Stephanie are going to do it. Miss Barbara and Mr. Billy will do it. We'll all do it from time to time. But that's not where he intended us to live. Amen? Amen. He simply wants us to take him at his word and to walk in it. And the reason we needed a redeemer is because we all will do it. But the one who never did it was his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He trusted him without fail without fail, and became a substitute on our behalf. Amen? Amen. Man, anybody have anything before we go today? Love y'all. Always delight to be able to gather with you. Favorite day of the week, be able to gather and celebrate with y'all.